Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Medicus. Today we have a very special episode because not only are we going to be interviewing our guest on the pod, but we also are going to be welcoming a new member to the Medicus team. As you know, this podcast was started by a couple of us M2s who thought that this would be a great endeavor and an incredible opportunity to discuss a variety of topics in the field of medicine. With the overwhelming love and support that we have gotten these last couple of months, we would want nothing more than to keep this dream alive. So we decided to expand our board. As you know, step one is around the corner. It's kind of an important exam, I'm sure you've heard. And if you don't know what it is, then you should probably check our previous episode with Dr. Hops from a couple weeks ago. And before fading into the darkness and putting myself into a room, I wanted to introduce one of our newest members to the team, Hedgen. Hedgen is a first-year medical student, which is all I'll say about her because I probably wouldn't do justice in describing all the amazing stuff she has done this year. So with that, welcome, Hedgen. Thank you so much for having me and letting me join your amazing board. Hello, everybody. My name is Hedgen, and I grew up in California, but I lived in New York City for another big portion of my life. So I say I'm a bi-coastal girl. And for my undergrad, I went to school at Barnard College at Columbia University, where I majored in neuroscience and behavior. And I knew I was going to be a pre-med throughout, but I had many other passions because I grew up doing performing arts. So I tried to combine my passions for that kind of broadcast style and medicine by pursuing uh, medical broadcast journalism. So senior year in New York, I worked with the CBS Evening News in their medical unit with a chief medical correspondent where I really learned how to use media as a platform to educate the public about health and wellness. And that's something that I hope to continue to do throughout, um, I guess, my time in medical school and beyond. Then right after medical school, I took Three years off, um, two and a half of which I spent working with UNICEF USA, and I really got to see that global health perspective coming into play and how everything is so tied together and comprehensive. So global health and media is something that I would love to bring to the medical field as I continue to pursue this long journey because I'm only an M1. Yeah, and we're really happy to have you. As you can tell, she, she has a very dynamic personality, which makes her a perfect fit on this team. Uh, and now we're actually going to be tra- transitioning to the main segment of the show because we do have a guest here, don't we? We have a really fun guest with us today. Yeah, so today we invited probably one of the more interesting people here at Stritch. Uh, so interesting that he probably should have been the guy in the Dos Equis commercial. And uh, that is our longtime anatomy professor. And by long time, I mean from the prehistoric ages. That's... But- Great. I am a fossil. Yes. <laughs> but he's still hip and cool as ever. And, uh, Damn straight. <laughs> Me and Cardi B are, are we're clubbing tonight. <laughs> and that is Dr. Das Verdes. Uh In this episode, we'll talk about the progression of anatomy in medical schools, uh, just the type of personalities that it takes to be an anatomy professor, and uh, preparing students to do well on the boards. But there's a very good chance that we could get sidetracked and talk about all the eccentric stuff that Dr. Sure. D does. 
UFOs. <laughs> and I think it's only fair to warn our listeners that there's a very good chance that Dr. D could curse at me or curse in general. It's <laughs> like a 90% no, no. chance. So. I'll keep waiting. And in fact, if he doesn't, I think you are all being screwed on the Dr. D experience. So with that said, um, no, no, no. welcome, Dr. D. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And before I start talking about myself, I want to mention more about Hedgen here. How about your athleticism? Don't you do like Iron Woman, Iron Man things? You do half marathons. You don't sleep. You sleep like one hour a night. You swim every day. You run. Well, how many miles a day do you run? Depends. You know, um, today I ran about five right and, after the exam. And you don't swim. You swim every day or every I other day? I swim or run every day. So I work out every day. I've been working out every day since I was in first grade um, for the fun facts out there. But, you know, I think it's important to keep a uh, well-maintained physicality throughout med school because uh -huh. medical school could be very sedentary. And I think it's really important to take care of your body because how are you going to take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself? You know, if you ever do, pray tell, get hit by lightning, I would love to cut you open and see what makes you tick because <laughs> there's something going on in there. That's good body. Yes, I'll donate my body to science. You've first heard it here. <laughs> All right. Okay, back to me. Yeah, I'm the course director for uh, the anatomy course here at Stritch, Loyola. And I've been doing this, well, since 1977. I came to grad school for the first time. And then I, I was in grad school for a year. And it turned out to be a three-year program when I got admitted. And I didn't know. You know, they called me up and they said, yeah, we'll let you come to grad school. I said, all right, I'll see you in the fall. They'll say, no, you're going to show up June 1st. So what I did was uh, I taught anatomy. I was there in grad school for a while, but I realized it was affecting my suntan. I wasn't getting a good tan because I used to like to bike like 100 miles a day. So I quit grad school after one year. And then I went out and did jobs. I was putting in garage doors. I was doing remodeling. I, I worked for UPS. And after three years of that, four years of that, I realized that the real world was hideous. And I asked to come back to grad school, and I did. So then I got my PhD, and I never left Loyola. But you should ask me, how did I ever get interested in anatomy in the first place? Ask me that. Yes. So how did you get interested in anatomy? What brought you to that place? I was always, as a child, fascinated with biology. You know, in, I collected insects, I collected snakes, I collected fossils when I was nine years old. That sounds like zoology, not biology. <laughs> well, well, look at this, look at this. When I was nine years old, I know, can you see that scar? So That's he's pointing nine, his thumb right now. Yeah, nine stitches. I know there's no video here, but there are nine stitches. When I was nine years old, I was dissecting a frog at nine, at nine o'clock at night, and I slipped, and I cut my thumb to the bone, and had to get stitches. But, you know, before I got the stitches, I looked inside and I got to see the tendon and stuff. It was great. And I loved it ever since. And then after that, my dad, who was an engineer at Argonne National Laboratory, he loved to hunt. And he would shoot everything that moved with a shotgun. He'd go hunting every morning. And he accidentally, on purpose, shot a yellow bittern heron, which is a protected species. Now, I was 11 years old. So what do you do after you shoot a protected species? What do you of do? Of course, you learn, you stuff it so that the evidence is there forever. <laughs> he goes, Mike, you're going to learn how to do taxidermy. So I, using uh, just going to the library and studying books, I learned how to do taxidermy when I was 11 years old. 
From then on, I was mounting for beer money. I was stuffing pheasants, rabbits, fish, owls. So I got into the nitty gritty at a young age and still do a little taxidermy. If I find some roadkill in the winter, I've got a beautiful great horned owl in my office at home and stuff like that. Dr. D, I feel like you have a criminal history that we don't know about. There's a, it's, (laughs) yes, maybe I do. The bodies are buried in my backyard. I'm not going to tell you where. So how did I end up in grad school? Well, I went to a little college called Lewis University. Any guys know where it is? It's out in Romeoville. I've heard of that university. Yeah, it's got a, they got a big uh, airline uh, aircraft technical division, a real good baseball team, and They're just a good little school. So I got a double major in chemistry and biology. Didn't know what to do with myself. Graduated and got a job in a factory. And a good friend of mine was in dental school here at Loyola when we had a dental school. Hmm. It closed in 95. And he goes, Mike, what are you going to do? I go, I don't know what to do. He says, well, I just finished anatomy in dental school, and my professor was happy and liked it. So I said, okay, I'll get a PhD in anatomy, and that's what I did. I, I asked, I, you know, I applied, and I got uh, accepted to Loyola here in graduate school. And I thought that you just studied the head for a month, the leg for another six months. Uh, you spent a year on the abdomen, you know, and then, and then you would, you know, get your degree. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you had to do research and all that other crap. So I stuck it out, got my degree. And there you go. I ended up doing research at the Heinz VA for six years and that kind of stuff. That's an amazing story. It's Yeah. It'll be made into a movie soon. You're going to see it. I'm kind of curious. Why didn't you pursue an MD degree? Uh, Because I think I was too goofy, lazy, and partying in uh, undergrad. So I don't, you know, my GPA Mm -hmm. was 3334. I didn't, I said, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to grad school. Well, Not always, that, you know, PhD is the highest degree in the land. You know? <laughs> so just, just making that remember clear. that, damn it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I do research with one of the doctors here mm-hmm. um, who's known you from childhood, Dr. Murray. Dr. Amy Murray, yes. Um, so, you know, you were talking about how you used to, like, work with animals and everything. Dr. Murray told me one time that um, you rescued baby alligators and I actually, uh, brought them home. I had a pair of baby alligators as pets. Yes, I did. Boy, that's she was spying on me, wasn't she? Yes, they got to be about four, four feet or so, and uh, we had. Uh, they were pretty vicious. They were like little Game of Thrones dragons, and uh, I had to give them to a uh, nature center after about three years or so. But we grew up in kind of a wooded area in Orland Park, Homer Township. So I had pet skunks, pet raccoons. Uh, pet woodchuck, pet possum, pet muskrat, all kinds of furry little friends. I had a pet skunk for about six months, and we never got it descended, although I was studying uh, a book on how to descent a skunk. I never did it. As long as the skunk was held, it was very tame. But one day my sister was taking the skunk for a walk, and the neighbor's dog came by and was barking, and she panicked, and the skunk turned around and labeled the neighbor's dog. Oh, no. So we had to get rid of the little skunk. It's very sad. 
So there you go. Wow, that's the first time I ever heard that someone went to go walk the skunk. Walking the skunk. It's a new dance. And this is a perfect intro for everybody listening because I think it's encapsulating the whole Dr. D experience. And I think I think you guys are in tune for for a lot more. And as um, we've both been, Neil and I have both been his pupil in the past, and I can tell he makes anatomy so dynamic and so much fun, and I don't think not every single medical school can say that, actually. There's a lot more dissections involved, I would say. Yeah, well, I mean, we try to keep it light. I tell the students, you know, there are always students that complain that, you know, we've got to keep it a little more serious, but, you know, you guys are entering med school. You're going to have a lot of trials and tribulations in the next three or four years. You're going to be you know, dealing with dying patients, dying babies, sick people. I mean, let's try to lighten up a little bit in that first year, you know, and that's what I try to do. Make anatomy fun that. because it's, you know, it's tough. Med school's tough. So while you can still have a little bit of time and you can still smile, let's do it. And Dr. D, uh, if I recall correctly, you were one of the runner-ups for the faculty award this past year. Yeah, what kind of cash prize is affiliated with that? (laughs) TBD, runner-up, you get bribing rights. Um, But like that really shows how above and beyond you go to make sure we are not only learning the material, but we are also people love you. And so, what do you love most about teaching? Well, I think every teacher says this. You, you try to inspire your students a little bit. Mm-hmm. See their eyes light up a little bit as they try to, as things start to make sense. And then that aspect is important, but I also like to get into their lives a little bit and learn, you know, something about the student. You know, what are their loves? What are their goals? What are their wishes? And then I get to follow them for the next three, three and a half years or so and see what happens. And then maybe, you know, Hedgen or Neil, in, in, in five, ten years, you can cut my prostate out or something like that. <laughs> let's and let's, let's be preventative here. Let's make sure that doesn't happen, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> uh, okay, let me know what I can do about that. It'll be happy. <laughs> no, I so, mean, you know. Dr. D, you, you know, you talked about how you like to make anatomy fun because, you know, your students are going to end up and they're going to be around a lot of sick patients. But you yourself... I mean, for most of the day, you're around basically dead people, Correct. right? Correct. And, you know, first of all, I want to thank all those people who donate their bodies. Absolutely. That's the greatest gift around is mm-hmm. these patients, these, these, these dying people make the decision ahead of time to make a gift of themselves so that medical students can perfect their craft. Mm-hmm. So without these, these generous donors, you guys would not be as good as doctors as you are. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I can speak for Hygen and myself that we are very thankful. I think it's a vital part of our education. Uh, But what I was trying to get at was the fact that you're you're around these dead bodies all the time. So I think it takes a certain personality, I think, for to be an anatomy professor. And you know, you and Dr. Freisack do an amazing job. So does it take practice or does it just come naturally? Because you guys are upbeat all the time. I've never seen you know, you know, usually you get those one or two days out of a semester or a quarter where you guys, where I would expect you guys to show up all grumpy and stuff, but especially with the amount of complaining that we do to you <laughs> a guys. A lot of complaining. But you guys don't. You guys are always a B, and I we're, think that's... We're, we're high on formaldehyde. That's what it does. It's, it's, it elevates us. I think that's inspiring in and of itself, though. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, we learned early on in grad school, you know, it's a, 
it's kind of a weird, tough job spending hours dissecting people, you know, dissecting the perineum or, you know, whatever. And, and you have to just kind of divorce yourself from the mechanics, you know, of the dissection and think more about the person. And, you know, remember that person had a sense of humor, you know, and we try to keep that sense of humor going. It, you know, it carries us through, and we hope it carries the students through a difficult time in their life. And Dr. D, you've been at Loyola like like forever. Yeah. And how have you seen the anatomy course kind of like change throughout your time here? Well, as you know, we uh, here at Loyola, we used to dissect about anywhere between 35 and 40 cadavers. So there would be groups of four students assigned mm -hmm. to a cadaver, and they would have to dissect every week. Usually it was three days a week, sometimes it was more, and uh, that gradually changed over, I would say, a 10-year period, where now we're only using really three or four cadavers that are dissected by the staff, by the faculty, mm -hmm. and we really only have um, two or three faculty, so we're rotating students through in groups of now the groups are 18, and we're rotating them through for 40 minutes and kicking them out and bringing another group in. So each of two or three faculty give the same talk three times. So for we're talking for two hours. And you might ask, why has that happened? Has it happened to all medical schools? It's happened to a lot of medical schools. Uh, I know Northwestern is looking into shortening things a little bit. Some of the other schools are holding the line with, with uh, full semester, full-blown anatomy courses. But why has this happened? Well, I brought a picture with me here, and I know there's no video here, but this was in the anatomy department back in 1985. And you could see here there's 35 faculty and uh, associates. I would say over two-thirds of those, um, maybe 20 of these people, participated in the anatomy course. It was a classic department of anatomy, which was disbanded in 2007, 2008. So we had 20 people helping out, not to mention physicians that would come and help out. So we had a lot of, so the student-teacher ratio was pretty good. Well, things have changed. There's not as many classically trained anatomists anymore. People don't get degrees in anatomy. These departments have been dissolved. So you don't have the trained faculty. As faculty retire, they're not being replaced. Um, there's been a shift towards space dedicated to anatomy in new medical schools and even old medical schools. Lab size is different. And probably the biggest change is the damn amount of sick material you guys have to learn in other courses. Uh, when I took anatomy back in 77, there wasn't really an immunology course. There wasn't studies in genetics. Uh, physiology didn't have all that weird stuff at the end with all the endocrine pathways and the metabolism. So there's been a bigger push of pharmacology has taken off. So push comes to shove, somebody got kicked to the curb a little bit, and that was anatomy here. So we have a different approach. Like I said, we use prosected cadavers. So students aren't, I, I don't want to say wasting, but students aren't spending hours finding the spinal accessory nerve. 
we have it out. We say, here's the spinal accessory nerve, look at it. So it's a, different, it's a different dynamic. Now you might ask, how are the students performing on the exams compared? And really there hasn't been much change. We've, we're, we've tested in about the same way. We've tried to make the questions more boards-like. You know, we may have one or two failures on the average or no failures, and that's held pretty constant. So I don't think the students are suffering that much by making it a shorter course. So we've gone from a semester to 10 weeks of pure anatomy. I think where there might be a problem is retention, hedging. Oh, what no. is the Broadman's number for the origin of the cortical spinal tract? Four. See that? That's good. That's <laughs> good. See? That's I'm good. telling you guys. I'm taking credit for everything uh, you two guys do in we, the future. We brought along the right person for this team. So, <laughs> so honored. She'll forget it tomorrow, though. That's okay. <laughs> but also at the same time, I think for a lot of the pre-meds maybe who be listening to um, this podcast right now, I know a lot of the pre-meds are making their medical school decisions. And I think one thing that I actually didn't consider when I was a student making th that choice was actually anatomy because prosection versus dissection, I, I think having the option to dissect mm -hmm. saves so much time. And I I can personally attest having to this. The, having the... Being forced, well not forced, being required to prosect, but having the option to dissect is what Loyola is kind of like the... Yeah, we provide two or three cadavers that you guys can come in and dissect on your own. If we're down there, we'll give you some assistance. Yes. But there's plenty of video instruction. There's a prosected cadaver there that you guys can use for reference. Right. Nobody does it after the second or third week, which mm -hmm. is kind of, well, it's sad, but it also attests to how busy your schedule is. Right. You know, mm -hmm. when, I, when I first started medical school, we start off, the way that our course is structured, we start off doing biochem. And biochem was like, okay, it's review. We learned some of that stuff in college. But then when anatomy got started, it was the aha moment. Like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm in medical school now. And then you learn that you're not actually dissecting these cadavers. Was and it a letdown? It was. Yeah. I was actually looking forward to that. And I know it takes probably a ridiculous amount of time. I mean, I have friends in other medical mm -hmm. schools. Uh, my best friend's at SLU, and he was telling me that he spends like four to five hours the lab is open 24 hours, and in the old system, I would say pre-2008, seven, you'd find students down here at midnight. I'd come down here and sleep down here sometimes with he the students. He actually does. I've yeah. seen him. <laughs> so, you know, I would sleep either in one of the locker rooms or the closets or whatever. But, And I kind of miss that because we'd have the music going softly. Uh, it's like an know, OR setting. We'd have some Nickelback going there. Why do people hate Nickelback? I don't know why. But Actually, you look like a guy who would listen to Eminem. <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually, I like uh, Flo Rida is my uh, favorite. Club Can't Handle Me Now or mm -hmm. Welcome to My House. Those are two good songs right there. But I miss that. We had that dynamic mm -hmm. going at night. And what, what you saw was team building because there was four or five people per cadaver and they had different roles. One person would read out of the book because they didn't want to touch the body. Future surgeons would be picking for hours, you know. But as I would plop myself down at a table during lab, I'd probably try to cover six or seven tables. 
I got to know the students. We got to talk. You know, we didn't talk a lot about anatomy. We spent a lot of time talking about their lives and this. And, and I kind of But with you, that. we never talk about anatomy. I think we always talk about like life stuff anyway in general. So. But the problem is in the lab setting that we have now. You guys are behind me while right. I'm looking at the video screen, and I don't really get to interact as much as I'd like to with you guys. I'm gonna turn around and try to torture you. Unless he throws like a perineum at you. Well, you yeah, might get something, yeah, tossed <laughs> at you, but. So it's a, it's, a, it's a different dynamic. So, but I'm going to tell you this. You guys are welcome to come back anytime in the next two, three and a half years and dissect. We always have cadavers. I have people going into ENT and stuff that want to brush up on head and neck. We yeah. set them up with a cadaver, you know. So Great. take advantage of it in the future if you want to. And for those of you don't, who don't know, I'll just let you guys know how much of a great professor that Dr. D is. Like, Dr. D lives an hour well, and a half away. Let me give you away. some money there. What do you need? <laughs> do you need 20 bucks? He lives an hour away. I'll give you my address. Yes. You can send the check there. <laughs> Here's 20 bucks, right? Here's a... He actually pulled off. He actually pulled... He actually threw a $20 actually, bill at me. Right. Wow. Um, no, Love I can't you. take this, yeah, but... Give it to your favorite charity. No. <laughs> I gotta say, though, Dr. D is an amazing professor because... He lives an hour and a half away, so it's an hour and a half commute coming to school and then an hour and a half going back. But, you know, I've been here late night sometimes around 9.30 p.m. I've been here at 10, and he's still there. And he's there. still here. Something well, he sleeps when, over That's at usually school. when the students leave their iPods out or open purses or their backpacks, <laughs> and I can kind of go through His other intentions, stuff. he yeah. says. You can see my collection. But also, you make it really fun to a certain extent because you also have a farm, yeah. And he basically like engages the class by asking questions, but giving them prizes from his farm. Like I personally got some kale out of that and yeah. loved it. So thank yeah. you. And greens. Yeah, so. we grow greens. Well, he kale. knows that a lot of us medical students are in debt anyway, so we can't do grocery shopping <laughs> the way that we'd want. So he does it for us. Yeah. So he does it for us, <laughs> uh, basically. Exactly. I live up that greens for like a week. I'm not kidding. We'll try to get you some more. We'll get Thank greens you. and we'll get uh, zucchini, cucumbers, oh, a lot so of tomatoes good. will be planted, you know. I'm more of a protein type guy, Dr. D. I got so chickens. I have, chickens. I have, I'm down to nine chickens. Okay. You like eggs? I love eggs. You also have a YouTube channel, right? Yes, I do. There, <laughs> I don't know what I got on there now, 40 or 50. Uh, but you're revamping things. that a little bit, but um, a student with our... Mike, yeah, yes. Mike B, Mikey mm -hmm. B. He's got that long Italian name, whatever that. It sounds like some kind of pasta. Berzalazzolini, what is it? Berzalini. I, I actually, I, should, I just call him Mike B, too. It's good with, uh, with a white sauce. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> helping me revamp uh, my Google account, my YouTube account. Be nice to monetize it because I have somewhere around I don't know six seven hundred thousand hits. Oh wow! Yes, your breakup plexus one was my classic. favorite. It's big. In I the even shared it with East. my other medic medical students. Huge in the Middle East. For really? Breakup plexus. Oh, they plexus. love it in Bahrain and Egypt, and I get in all these comments. You know what it is? It's very succinct and to the point, but you get what you need out of that like six to seven minutes. Because mm -hmm. I think, especially in medical school, we are trying to maximize our time here. I know you don't want to be fry stack on every video. <laughs> I love you, Bob. <laughs> Love you and your dogs, <laughs> But, you know, to the point, then I think that's why people love it so much and, and you have a lot of hits. Oh, thank you. For those uh, of those who are trying to learn anatomy, I think, what's your, what's your channel's name? Well, it's called The Biceps from Morris. But if you just look up uh, Mike Desvardis, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll post it on our website. And, yeah, uh, send money, everybody out there. Just, yeah, you know, donate. Yeah. Donate to Dr. Yeah. D's yeah. trust fund. Five, six bucks each. You'll be fine. No, it's not monetized yet, so it's out there. Another uh, popular video on there besides my fishing videos and my chicken videos and my daughter's singing videos is um, how to build a perineum on a clay. Yes, I actually, that was very helpful. I get a lot of yes. people in the comment section love my claymation. My, yes. uh, my naughty through. bit claymation is big. <laughs> big. In different colors. <laughs> Global. <you know>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how to build the perfect penis is, is I want to retitle. The, Only on this video. episode. <laughs> Only on in this episode you would get something like that. Yes. Never again. But no, it's very popular, and it's anatomical, and it's clean, and it's nice. So. And also, you built a lot of educational resources for students as well. So can you talk a little bit about some of the um, Lumen things Yeah, that there's built? a lot of exercises on Lumen, and, and when I talk about Lumen, I gotta, I've got to mention my, uh, my mentor, uh, Dr. John McNulty, who was course director for about 20 years for Anatomy. He retired, and... Oh, John, when did you retire? 2011 or so, I think. He was the one who saw the vision in the early 90s, the power of the Internet for medical education. Mm -hmm. And he went to the administration. They all looked at him and was like, what are you talking about? All they could think of was MySpace and, uh, you know, bad email, AOL and dial-up. But he got Lumen, he kicked Lumen off. So the anatomy site was, you know, you guys use Lumen every day, all the calendar, everything. None of that existed. And for our listener, Lumen is like a site that um, I think Loyola, Loyola University yes. Medical Education Network. Yes. So every school now has their own like that, website. Yeah. But this was the first. This was the first school in the world that had a website like that, and we didn't get, you know, he didn't get the credit. John was kind of low key, and didn't make a big deal out of it, but. Uh, the big push was anatomy, so he recruited me and he recruited about seven or eight other people and we would meet every week and talk about exercises and things we could put on the web, how we could bring other courses in. Other courses were really reticent about joining up. You know, We were begging physiology, put some stuff online, put your calendar on, oh, this is a fad, the internet is going to last another week and a half, you know. So John McNulty was the big, he was the big push and I would draw the pictures and he would do the HTML programming for all those exercises you see that are on there, you know, the master muscle list and those kind of things. And then we transitioned some of that stuff into soft chalk exercises, which is a, a commercially available thing. But, yeah, we tried to throw a lot of stuff out there. Our practice practicals, Frystech's got 9 million images of uh, cadavers. Yes, it does. <laughs> we have, you know, neuroscience exercises cross-sectional exercise. Some people say, well, you have too much. You know, you can get lost in it, but it's all there. And there was a point where we were getting 2 million hits a day from other schools using our website. Oh. And Neil mentioned earlier on that I think anatomy is the first course in medical school, at least um, at Loyola, that you really feel like you're in medical school. And so coming out of biochemistry, which feels more or less like an under, undergrad course accelerated, anatomy really kind of puts us on the edge of like, wow, we need to really memorize at the, the speed of light. And people could get very overwhelmed during those times. So what advice do you have for incoming students or people who are about to take anatomy in the near future of how to handle or navigate through anatomy? Because you've been doing this for many, many decades. Well, 
first of all, let's not downplay the power of, uh, what is that kind of finger that they talked about in MCBG? We talked the about finger, The finger, the finger. You know what I'm talking about? The zinc finger? Zinc finger. That's <laughs> the zinc. Let's, that not, is... let's not downplay the power of the zinc finger and, and all the genetics and the RNA sure. and DNA. Because, you know, you, Bill Simmons, come on, he's a god. Oh, he's, he's a, great. He's a giant amongst biochemists. But in terms of anatomy, um, I think there's a push, and I would not be opposed to it, to make anatomy as a prerequisite for medical school. Mm. Actually, a full-blown, giant anatomy course, damn it, you don't apply, damn it, if you haven't had six months of anatomy. You know, why can't it be? Why can't it be the organic chemistry of mm -hmm. biology? And, and I'd still have a job. I can go teach in the undergrad if I want. Or we could say that's a prerequisite and then have an advanced anatomy course taught in the medical school. I think that would be a, a good idea, you know. People would, you know, these schools would have to have uh, anatomy labs. A lot of schools do have anatomy in undergrad. You guys have any at your schools? No. You? I didn't. We didn't have anatomy. Had a, we had one at the community college. Near yeah, a lot of the junior colleges are well. Joy Junior College has five cadavers. Triton, wow. right up the road here, has like six or seven cadavers. Moraine Valley. I taught night courses at Moraine Valley and Palos. Uh, they have like three prosected cadavers. So, but back to your original question. Um, I think you have to be organized. The hardest thing is, and it was hard for me when I took anatomy the first time in 1977, is you want to learn everything. You can't, you know, you can't paint with a roller when you're learning anatomy. You've got to focus and learn the muscle. You've got to learn the bones. You've got to learn the muscles, the arteries, mm -hmm. the actions. If you try to learn it all at once, you know, you will just cry like a little baby and curl up in the fetal position on the floor. So the thing is, maybe it's too late. Uh, students don't pick up on this until the third week. But, you know, in our lectures, we're kind of trying to, to tell you what's important. When the lab, we hint... You know, what are the three muscles that attach to the coracoid process? You know, this kind of thing. And it's tough. Sometimes the handouts are overextensive, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I go the other way. Mine are very sparse. So, you know, it's a 10-week course, damn it. And then we throw three weeks of neuroscience. It's hell. I don't know if I would have survived a course like that. I remember that. we went from abdomen to like every single <laughs> muscles in the feet in like a week and a half. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my gosh, it's a lot. But at the same time, you're learning about the human body and that's kind of what we are here to do to yeah. really understand the function. To, so going from bi biochemical molecules that we had to really use our imaginations to see to now actually seeing the muscles and and the nerves that we were talking about, I think for me that kept me really excited and going. And I was probably one of the few people actually who really enjoyed anatomy. I know not everybody loves anatomy because of the rope memorization, but that's like the basis for I think yeah. so many things. I, to come. I definitely second that. I mean, you know, earlier I talked about how anatomy was like that aha moment for me of being in medical school, but at the same time, it was a it was a reality check because I had to work hard in anatomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not something that, you know. If you're, you know, some people, things come easier to them. No mm. matter how easy something might come to you, anatomy was just one of those things that you just had to spend time right. with. Right. And for me, that's what it was. It was just a reality check like, hey, you're in medical school now, and one day you're going to be taking care of an actual body, mm. and you're going to have to know all of this. So, you know, 
I really loved anatomy. Yeah, it was one too. of my favorite courses that I've taken here at Stridge. Well, that's good. Yeah. Send more money. But <laughs> it's like learning a foreign language, and that's it the is. toughest part. Right. You not only learn these facts about actions and attachments and nerve supply, you're learning this foreign language. You have to learn this new pseudo-Latin crap along with each muscle, and that's, that's really tough. And I give you guys credit. Um, if I was to give any advice, and I have done this to some of the, the pre-gunners that have showed up before you know the, the course starts, like at this uh, second look dinner we had and stuff, they asked for advice. I said, go sit down and learn the muscles and their nerve supply. Mm -hmm. And if you have time, their origin insertion. I would tell them something action. else. I'd be like, why Why are you asking this right now? Go sit at home, watch TV, go you to Europe. You don't sit in the front row, I think. <laughs> go to Europe. Enjoy life a little bit. Before, before you get started. That's part of the reason we give those hideous quizzes that we give, like a week, a week and a half before the exam. It's just muscle-nerve relationship. Because we're forcing you, because that – is something, and I used to do this in graduate schools, try to learn that stuff the night before the exam. You can't cram an anatomy. Oh, my God. You so cannot. we're forcing you to cram it a week ahead of time <laughs> without much consequence because the test's only worth 15 points or whatever. And I think that really helps you when you get to the main exam. Wouldn't you agree? No, that, I think it's You, know, you got helpful. those out of the way, and you don't have to worry about, you know, Joe Blow cuts his... You know, he hears a pop when he's doing arm curls. What happened? You already know it's a bicep issue and that that kind of stuff. So, but I think one of the crucial less like study skill lessons I learned at the end of me was like the power of layering and repeating material. Yeah, because we repetition, so repetition, much, repetition. Uh, material, so you can't possibly memorize everything. You've got to just repeat, rinse, repeat. And I think you and Dr. Farizak did a really great job, kind of layering the material and kind yeah. of repeating and yeah, pretty colors. And stuff. Yes. Oh, especially Rip. Dr. Freistack's lecture. That, <laughs> his lectures were such a word vomit. <laughs> <laughs> word vomit. Did you hear that, Bob? But repetition is good. We love Dr. Freistack. We, we love do. Bob. We do. But he, he was, loves uh, words. So He was uh, Dr. D's, I can't say better half, but he was, uh, he was a good half. He was a good half. <laughs> yeah, we, I guess we bounce each other out a little bit there. But repetition is good. Yes. What is my saying? Repetitio es studio mater. Repetition is the, the mother of learning. Oh, that's you can uh, make a t-shirt out of that, people. Yes, because it applies to in. all courses subsequently to come after anatomy. Is that Latin? It's Lithuanian. No, it is Latin. <laughs> okay. okay. Medicus, and then we could have that. Yeah, you get, oh, yeah, underneath. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't Dr. D's idea. It was mine. Yes, it was <laughs> Neil. Just so our team knows. Uh, so... Uh, how, how do you think we can improve anatomy? To throw it back at you two real quick. That's a great question. And we, and, and you know, I'm kind of throwing it out because we do get evaluated every year. And so, okay, so there are written copies. We got some shithole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got to actually ask Beep. about this. Beep. Okay. I got to actually <laughs> ask about this because, you know, you deal with all sorts of students and everybody has different opinions. Mm -hmm. What's the worst thing? someone's ever said about you or the course well i think if you remember i actually show that what evaluation do you oh, remember in lecture i show like oh. two contrasting ones dr d is the greatest and i love his right. his lectures which are titled let's build a perineum or let's build 
Right. He's so good. And then, I, and then the job. next one was, Dr. D's lectures are horrible. His <laughs> illustrations are horrible. He should buy a commercial uh, <laughs> program. I hate his lectures. I hate him. I hope him and his children die. It was something <laughs> along that line. So <laughs> we get, He we, did show that in lecture, actually, for the record. So. Um, there's been some bad ones. Um, I used to hang one on my wall. You know, there'd be some good evaluations, you know, blah, 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 Dr. D's great, approachable. And then it was, Dr. D is disgusting. And that was it. And I had that hanging on the wall for a while, just in the corner there. Very nice. In the corner. No, there's, you know, you got to have a thick skin. And, and mm -hmm. I can't, we cannot please everyone, you mm -hmm. know. And we try not to offend too many people. And people, if you're looking for being offended, if you're searching for an insult, I suppose you might find it in some twisted manner, but uh, we're, it's a different world, so we're kind of, we got our, you know, we got our radar up more and more now when we're lecturing, so, you know, I can tell, Hedgen, you're ready to turn me into the dean for something right now. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, we got our radar up, so we got to be more careful. I guess I in the old day, in the old days, I mean, 1977 is when I started. There was probably uh, ten girls in the class in 1977. Out of out of 130. Oh wow. Ten, so 10 to 10%. 20, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of guys with. It was the, uh, you know, was, there was a lot of mutton. There was a lot of facial hair and long hair and. Uh, there was a guy in, in actually in the lecture hall, which was in the main hospital. It said it was a sign that said "No smoking this side of room," so you could smoke on the left side of the yeah. room, but you couldn't smoke on the right. Mm -hmm. There was one student I remember. He was he had a big plastic cup and he was spitting into it. He was chewing tobacco during the lecture oh and would spit into the cup. Well, we came it very was, far since then. Well, but it was a. I got to tell you, it was a relaxed environment, and it was, you know, and I'm not blaming the fact that there were more women in there, and, you know, it was just a, it was a different time. The physicians were more potty mouth, you know, we had the radiologists come in and other physicians, and it was just a, a looser, uh, looser atmosphere. So if things change for the better, I guess so. More respect, more, you know, whatever. And we just learned in the like, class how bad smoking is for you. Yeah. Like, really, like, there's Half so those kids are dead, probably, so <laughs> so it probably worked out. But it was a different time, and we had a lot of fun. And I was taught by uh, Chuck Weber and Bill Simmons in 19, uh, well, yeah, in 1977, 78. Oh, my gosh, Chuck for Weber's the record, like, they're still teaching. Yeah, so. Chuck is still around, wandering around, and Bill's, Bill's still going strong. So anatomy is a unique thing. Another thing that got me interested in anatomy is I used to work at a cemetery in Willow Springs. You guys know where Willow Springs, Illinois is? No. It's right down Route 80. If you take 171, it curves around. That's First Avenue. Follow it as far as it goes. You go by Argo Summit, and then you go into the woods. There's a church that sits on a hill there. And I mowed grass when I was 18 and 19 years old there. My brother rode the tractor, and some of the graves were into the 1700s, into the late 1700s. Well, of course, what it, what were caskets in the 1700s? They were wood at best. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is these woodchucks, you know what a woodchuck is, Hedgen? 
I think it's we a know. big I'm a city girl. furry creature. You don't have them in California or oh, New York. No, I'm no, sure you must have raised them. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I had one pet. How much wood could a woodchuck <laughs> chuck? If a woodchuck would, they would dig holes down and pull bones out of the grave. And as I was mowing, I had to kick the bones back into the hole. So that was a little anatomy exposure there that I had that that kind of got me started. So grave robbing at an early. Yes, so many age. careers I feel like up leading up to that point. This is basically so. the anatomy of Dr. Dean. I know, literally. Yeah, the anatomy of Dr. Dean. I want to thank Dr. D. You're such an amazing guest. You know, great stories. Me and Hajin really loved having you as an anatomy professor, and I think for all those students who end up coming here at Stritch, you guys are in for uh, quite a treat. So. Once again, <laughs> he threw a twenty dollars. <laughs> again, second twenty dollars. Um, thank you, Doctor D. Well, it's been a pleasure talking and, uh, to you guys, and uh, you know, it's just a pleasure teaching medical students, being around you guys. You guys are the cream of the crop. You guys are dedicated. It's always frightening to teach uh, students that are smarter than you know the teacher is, which makes it a challenge. You guys learn all this stuff so damn fast. It's kind of Because you make us, you know, yeah. not by choice. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure, and I wish you and your classmates the best of luck Thank in the you. future. We so appreciate good luck. it. Yes. And uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to having you guys tuning in next week as well. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without support from our lovely listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have questions, comments, or episode suggestions, submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient, doctor, relationship is formed and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.